Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins. Release us. Let us find our rest in Isn't that great? Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you so much for your story. This is we're reminded in a three-minute video clip of what you've been up to since the very beginning. Thank you, God, that out of the overflow of your love, your creation was born. And that even when that creation rebelled against you and we chose our own way and We wanted to decide for ourselves what was good and bad and right and wrong. We wanted to live a life apart from you and to do things our way and to be our own people and to look like everybody else in this world that doesn't know you. You continue to pursue us. And we we long to see that story come to its climax tonight when you've pursued us to the point of even sending your own son. We rejoice in that story, and we're so grateful today that it's in your Son we find life. Thank you, God, that you did not abandon us.
to our own ways, but that you came and you rescued us, that in your arrival, God, we find life and we find hope and we find peace and joy, and that we can be your people to extend those things to a world that doesn't yet know you. So Holy Spirit, come, speak to our hearts today. Show us what it means to know you. Give us a clear vision for how this works in our lives, not just when we're gathered here together, but especially when we're in our homes and in our neighborhoods and our workplaces. Father, we thank you for this story. We know it's a story that you've written in our hearts. So we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas. I'm so thankful to be here with you guys tonight. Um, If you're visiting with us, um, please feel welcome. You're amongst uh, the family called Cultivate Church, and this is our family gathering for Christmas Eve celebration, and you are more than welcome among us. So we're so glad that you're here today uh, with us, and we pray that when you leave here, you will feel like you are amongst family. That's really our goal. We've been going through a a bit of a story as a church Um, over the last, I guess, 10 weeks now. We've been going through the story of God kind of bit by bit, piece by piece, from the very beginning to the very end. And so we've kind of come to that process. We're ending it in our life groups this coming Sunday. But I thought it would be appropriate for us to kind of view the story again in terms of of how it's sort of hit us and where we happen to be at this point in the story. If you remember, Janine was sharing with us and reading through the Christmas story, the fact that when Jesus arrived, it was during a census, a very time of upheaval in the Roman Empire. And there was this little place called Israel uh, that was one of the tiny little places in the world that Rome happened to conquer and, and, and rule over. And then among those people uh, who were waiting desperately for 400 years for God to speak to them, God, will you show up? Will you be among us? We need to hear from you. And then suddenly... The story breaks, right? And and out of nowhere, God shows up and He gives His Son as a gift to show the arrival of His presence in the world and the change of what was about to happen. I want to challenge you with this, though. This was not the answer that the people of that day were hoping for or expecting. This was not the thing that they wanted to hear from God from because By and large, the people of that day were under incredible oppression. They were being taxed well beyond what they could bear. They were being subjugated by this foreign occupation. And their only hope was found in this promise that God would someday send a king unlike any king that they had ever had before. A king that would free their people and return them to God. Return them to a life that's lived close to Him and under His protection. So the question that would have been on everyone's mind is, who will God send to save us from this life of slavery? Will God send us a rebel who's going to overthrow the government? Is He going to send us a man of power to enforce the laws of God? Is He going to send a, a military leader maybe who will lead the people into battle? And yet we know from the story that God didn't do any of these things, did He? God sent His Son in the form of a baby, helpless and naked, into the world. If you were living in that day, 
if you didn't know the story real well, and you were looking at your circumstances, you'd be asking, God, what gives? Why did you send this particular gift? And here's, here's kind of the big idea that I want to challenge you with. The arrival of God's Son is God's solution to our greatest problem. It would have been unthinkable for the people of that day to have their king arrive in the way that he did. The solution, God's solution to the world's problems arise in a filthy pig trough in a backwater town called Bethlehem. And yet this is God's solution. I wonder if we believe this. If it's really gripped our hearts that this is the solution to our greatest problem. This is the answer to our biggest need. Do we really believe it? And I know in some sense we probably do because otherwise we wouldn't be gathering tonight. So I know in some sense we're all saying the same things that we believe it. But does it really grip our hearts like it should? And do we tend to reflect on the greatest intervention in human history with the same kind of wonder and delight that we saw from the shepherds in the story? Or do we secretly wish that God had sent a different kind of resolution. If you've ever found yourself disappointed with the wonder of Christmas, and I have, then I pray that you'd really press into the story again and the Holy Spirit would really reveal to your hearts how necessary it is for this salvation that He's provided to come into our lives. Christmas can be about so many things. But if we make it about anything except for God's intervention to save and redeem a people for Himself, we will walk away from the season disappointed. The good news, though, is that Christmas does remind us that God has saved us and that He is saving us and that He will save us. That's the great news of this Christmas gift and His salvation may look differently than our expectation. So I want to talk about that just briefly for you. Uh, because there were some expectations of the time, and I think there are many of the same expectations that we have, and yet God shows up in a different way than we expected Him to. The first is this, that Israel expected that God would send a king to topple an oppressive government, and yet God's response was to send a king who topples the rebellion of our own hearts. See, Israel's greatest problem was not the Roman oppressor that it had, It was their own rebellious hearts that even though, even when they did not have any oppressors over them, they themselves rebelled against God and put themselves into slavery. And they forgot about this. But it was their own rebellion that kept them from experiencing a relationship with God. And it's the same thing for us. I don't know if it's true for you, but for me... I want all of my problems to be external. I mean, life would just be so much easier if I could blame everything else but myself for my issues. Do you ever have that issue? I mean, if my job were better, if my relationships were better, if I just had more money, if my health were better than it is now, if the political situation weren't what it is, if all these things would just line up in a certain way, that I would prefer them to, then everything would be grand. Everything would be the way that it's supposed to. 
if God would just resolve these things, then I would surely give Him my whole heart. And what we fail to realize is that many times, God actually brings about those particular circumstances in our lives for the purpose of revealing to us what's already inside of our own hearts. Do you ever know that? God sometimes will put you in a particular situation to aggravate the heck out of you so that it reveals to you what's already in your own heart so that he could deal with it. Jesus actually puts it this way. He says there was a crowd around him and he said, listen and understand what goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but it's what comes out of his mouth that makes him unclean. In other words, what he's saying is it's not the external that needs saving so much as it's the internal. All of us, we come this evening with that same issue in our hearts. The same issue that needs to be dealt with. And so we need to begin there if we're going to really enjoy and savor what the Christmas season is about. Because if we don't begin there, then we'll think it's all about other things. And when we don't see God resolve the world the way that we think it should be resolved, then we're going to blame Him instead of ourselves. If we begin there, then we have the opportunity to be wondered again by Christmas. I I love the way that John Piper puts it when he says, Christmas is an indictment before it's a delight. It won't have its intended effect until we feel our need for a Savior. We need to know that the reason that we have Christmas is because we had an issue that needed to be resolved. That was the whole point of it. And the good news is this. In Jesus, God leads a rebellion against rebelliousness. In His Son, who is the only one that ever did what is good, right, and perfect always, He is the only non-rebel in the story that we've seen so far. He always submits to His Father and to His will. And through Jesus, our rebellion is paid for. And we're given a new ability. A new ability. Can you imagine that? God would actually enable us, those who were rebellious before, to live a life that pleases Him because of what Jesus does for us in His arrival. In Him, we see a picture of what it looks like to be submitted to God. And He gives us that new ability to live a life submitted to Him. The second is this, that Israel expected, what, Israel's expectation was that God would send a king of power, come and rule over everything. And God's response was to send a king born as a helpless baby into a powerless family. A king who identifies with our weaknesses and understands what it's like to be human. Let me ask you this. You can feel free to respond because we've been doing a lot of that lately. Who was it that Jesus was born among? Like, who are the other characters in the story when he shows up on the scene? His parents, obviously. Yeah, kind of hard to be born without a mother. The shepherds, yeah. Wise men, cows, yeah. Pigs, sheep, if you're going to have shepherds, right? (laughs) What do do you know? Do you know anything about the shepherds of that day? The shepherds were the social outcasts of their day. 
they were the people that nobody wanted to associate with or be around because they spent months on end out in the fields not showering, not cleaning, not brushing up on their hygiene or their social skills. And so they, they led a life of solitary confinement, essentially being among the animals. And so even when they came back into society, nobody wanted to associate with themselves with them because they were both physically clean and spiritually unclean. And so these were the people that you would least expect the Son of God to appear among. And yet they're the first ones who arrive at His birth. What do you think that tells you about the reason for which God sent Jesus into the world? What do you think it tells you? As we are. Yeah, what else? He's accessible to everyone. doesn't matter what your standing is. doesn't matter what your background has been. Yeah, what else? <laughs> it tells me He identifies with us, right? Even on our worst days, He knows exactly what it's like to be us. He identifies Himself with the lowliest of people. I don't know about you, but that gives me a whole lot of hope. <laughs> that the Son of God would identify with the worst among us so that everyone among us would know what it's like to be accepted by Him. Because there's nothing that stands in the way of being accepted. He knows exactly what it's like to walk in our shoes. I was kind of reminded of this yesterday when uh, Mandy and I decided we were going to take some cookies around to all of our neighbors. And if you know anything about our story, we've been trying to build bridges of relationships with many of the people that we live among because we believe that we're there to be a blessing to the people that we live among. So um, we've gotten to know almost everybody in the neighborhood. And so we're packing up all these boxes. We're ready to go out the door. And then all of a sudden, Manny breaks out an extra bag, and she starts shoving cookies into it. And I'm like, what gives? We've got, like, all the, you know, we've got everybody covered. I know we're going to this house, and this house, and this house. And she goes, I'm packing this bag because we're going over to the neighbor that we don't know. And I'm like, wait a minute. You mean the guy that lives next door, the one that we've lived next to for six and a half years, we've never said anything to, we don't know his name? Um... That guy? Yeah, we're going to that house. We're going there first. All right. We're going there first. So, so we get everything together. We've got Caleb in tow, and he's not too happy about it. And, uh, and so we make our way over to the house, and we, we knock on the door, and we introduce ourselves, and, and uh, he introduced himself to us. His name is Chris. We're like, you know, I, I mean, the only thing that you can lead in with at that point is, I'm sorry, Right? Uh, I'm sorry that we've lived among you for this long and I've seen you out washing your car and you've seen me out mowing my lawn and we've never talked to one another. And, and, and so the first thing he said back was, yeah, but I, well, it's, you know, it's, it's my fault. I lived here first and so you guys moved in and, and so I should have been the one to na- take the initiative. It was like this awkward, like, okay, you know, we're trying to get over this social awkwardness of not having talked to one another for almost seven years, Right? And I, I realized afterwards as we were walking away a little bit later on in the day uh, that he knew what it was like to experience what I was experiencing on the other side of the bushes. Does that make sense? We were both experiencing the same thing, and yet nobody wants to make the first move. So we, we know that we live 
next to each other. We should probably at least know one, one another's names. And yet, we both feel this awkwardness that's identical to one another. And yet, we have no idea that one another shares that same feeling. I was thinking about this in terms of the story, that God knows exactly what it's like to be in our shoes. Because he came, not as somebody that was just scavenging the neighborhood, looking for people to pick off. He came as a neighbor. He came as one among us. He he came to identify with us. And so he actually knows what it's like to be you. He knows what it's like to be you on your best day and on your worst day. And he meets you in the midst of that experience. That is a tremendous thing, is it not? Hebrews 4.15 says, For if we, have, we do not have a high priest, meaning Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, and yet without sin. This should give us tremendous hope that we have a God that's been listening to our lives that knows what it's like to live out our lives, and yet comes into the midst of our lives and says, I'm here to bring about a new story to your life. I want to bring something new to this, that I'm going to give you a new experience, and it's going to be through me. The last is this. Israel's expectation was that God would send a king to lead them into battle. And God's response was a king who fights our greatest battles for us. We need only to rest in the victory that he secures over sin and death. Those of you who have been part of the story as we've been going through it, what does the name Jesus mean? No, that's Emmanuel. Yeah, it means the Lord is salvation. Remember that? And who gave Jesus the name that he was to have? Was it his parents? Do you remember? Who was it? It was an angel that came and gave Jesus his name because, he said, he will save his sins or save his people from their sins. I don't know about you, but this is kind of what happens to me this time of year, every year. Um, I start getting towards December and the end of December and kind of the change of the year, and you start to uh, recap a little bit of your life as it's been over the past year. Does anybody do this too? No, just me. Okay. Somebody's doing it because New Year's resolutions are very popular, right? But we, I, I, so I get to this point in the year and I start to think about all the things that I did not do. All the things that I wish I had done, all the relationships I wish I pursued. And then I start thinking to myself, how I'm going to do it better next year. 2013, now that's the year that I'm going to get it right. And so we play this game. Yeah, I know I did it wrong. I know I messed up. I'm going to try a little bit harder. I'm going to do it a little bit better. Here's the truth. All of us, we want to add something to our own salvation. We want to be able to say in the end, I helped. I helped out. Therefore, I get to deserve some of the credit for the victory. I think if we're being honest with ourselves... It goes a little bit more like this. Today I was making dinner for, uh, for our family and some of our friends that were going to gather later on tonight. And uh, I was watching Caleb at the same time. And so I'm cutting things up with a knife and I'm using a very hot oven. 
And he comes and um, he, he pulls one of our kitchen chairs up to the oven and starts climbing on top. And I say, buddy, what in the world are you doing? Why are you getting up here? And he goes, I help you. I help you. Like, okay, you're going to help me. All right, this is going to go very badly. So I'm like, okay, you're going to help me. So I slide the, the chair away from the, the stove, and he gets up and he sits on it, and I give him some crackers, and he sits there and he watches Daddy work. He's helping. <laughs> I think if we're being honest with ourselves, our own stories look a lot more like that. I think God, in his grace and his wisdom, he allows us to come into his story. He allows us to play a role. But then he says to us, look, when it comes to the hard stuff, you sit in that chair and you watch daddy work. Because dad's going to do an amazing work in you. That's what God does. He comes in the form of his own son, the form that we could not take. And he says, I will bear the burden of the sins of my people so that they might be free. That's Christmas. That's what we get to celebrate. Yesterday I got to share um, Romans 8, uh, verses 1 and 2. And I want to do the same verse again for you, but I'm going to include the next part of it. It says, With the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that faithful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying, black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant, In His Son, Jesus, He personally took on the human condition, entering the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. I hope that brings joy to your hearts because it certainly does mine. That's the story that we live in. I'm going to pray, but I realize that there are some kids downstairs and you parents, you may want to gather them for some of the candlelit part of our service and singing today. So feel free to get up and go and grab them if you need to do that while we pray. And then we're going to lead into the rest of our time. Father, thank you again for our story that's come to its head in Christ. Thank you that we have a king that came into this world in order to defeat the only enemy that we could not defeat, which was the enemy that was in our own hearts. Thank you that we have a king that knows what it's like to be in our shoes and lives a life alongside of us so that he can empower us to live it differently. And thank you, God, that we have a king that secured our victory for us. It's in him we rejoice and celebrate tonight. Let's be glad in our hearts for it. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.